you shift your mindset from from every decision you make with regard to the expenditure of money, asking the question, is this an asset or is this a liability? And if it's a liability, then you have to ask yourself another question. Is this a liability I need now or is it something I can delay into the future? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Making It Happen podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyler Miles, and today I have an awesome guest calling from Miami. And not only that, he's the founder of Uplevel Entrepreneur, which is an ecosystem created to help entrepreneurs elevate themselves and bring them to the next level. And he is on a mission to help a thousand business owners become multimillionaires. So I'm really excited to be a multimillionaire after this episode, and I know you will be too. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest, Edward Collins. Edward, thank you so much for coming on the show, my man. Kyler, I just have to first and foremost say thank you. You're the one who who created this environment, this ecosystem to serve your community, and I'm I'm just really happy to be part of it. So thank you very, very much for having me. I can't wait to get started in this conversation. Awesome. So, you know, a lot of the listeners or watchers right now may not know who you are and your 20 years experience as some of the homework I was doing on your podcast with your community, your coaching business. I think you have like seven or eight different businesses. So I'm super excited to hear (laughs) about your origin story. Like, so walk me through a little bit. Were you always an entrepreneur or did you stumble across it? Like walk me through your story and how you became this person today. And then just give us a little bit what you do. Well, it's been a long and winding road, that's for sure. Um, my my actual uh, journey started actually the the summer after second grade. That was the very first time I became an entrepreneur, um, and I didn't know how to spell the word at that time. I didn't even know what the word meant, but that's essentially what I did. Um, I um, I w- was born in a family that did not come from any means. Like financially, we were definitely challenged. I lost my father at a very young age. My mother had to work multiple jobs just to keep everything barely afloat. I'm fifth of six kids. I have two older brothers, two older sisters, and one younger sister. Um, And I learned at a very young age that if I needed anything, I had to figure out how to get it on my own. It just, it was what it was. Now, a lot of people have had it worse than I have had it. And some people have had it a lot better than I've had it, but that's just what, where my journey started. And I can remember, um, watching a, a television commercial at one point, and this was um, in the summer of uh, just after second grade, uh, it was advertising some sort of toy. And I went to my mom and I asked her to get the toy. And she said, if you want it, you have to figure out how to get it on your own. We can't afford it. Um, mm. And I tell this story a lot because in that moment, I learned two lessons. The first lesson was a really bad one. It was having this limited mindset around money. Like we can't afford it. We can't afford it. Having that approach. Robert Kiyosaki talks about it like his rich dad and his poor dad. His poor dad would say, I can't afford it. And his rich dad would say, how can I afford it? But in that moment, I learned that limiting belief, that limiting belief around money, that money is scarce. And then, but I also learned that all it takes is a little bit of hard work to go out and get money. So uh, it was another TV show that I'd watched and I'm dating myself now. It was Dennis the Menace. Um, and he, on that episode, he was like selling lemonade. So I was like, I can do a lemonade stand. And that's what I did. I, I set up a lemonade stand outside my house and I actually made for, again, I think I was like seven years old. It was the summer after second grade. Um, 
I actually made a lot of money for a seven-year-old. And I remember that I, I did a really bad thing with that money. I went out and I just bought candy with it. I bought a ton of candy. It was, <laughs> it was a really bad decision in the moment for why I did it, but it actually resulted yeah. in, a, in a good result because what I did is I ended up sharing that candy with all my neighborhood friends. And they were all like, how did you get all this candy? And I said, I bought it. Mm. And they were like, well, how did you get the money for it? And I said, well, I made it. And then I essentially persuaded a number of them to work in my lemonade stands, multiple stands, because I ended up opening up a bunch around the neighborhood. And that summer, I was like the lemonade tycoon. It was it was funny because I would make the lemonade. <laughs> I would take it out to each of the stands each day and I'd collect all the money. And then I would divvy up the money at the end of the day. It was, it was actually pretty interesting. Wow. But, um, at seven? Yeah, I know. Oh at, 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 yeah, summer after second grade. It was insane. Um, now, again, I had no idea that that was business. Like, I was, mm -hmm. I was just... I wanted a toy. I mean, that I had, I had a goal in mind. I figured had to figure out a way to get to it because my family couldn't afford to get me the money to do that. Um, and I made a lot of bad decisions with regard to money at that young age too. Like I spent it on candy. I spent it on toys instead of doing good things with it. But um, I learned a lot of lessons at that young age. And then I, I that that experience translated to later on in my life. I became a paper boy. I delivered newspapers. Then I graduated to selling newspaper subscriptions door to door. I did that as a, an early teenager. Like I started that when I was like 13. Um, so I learned sales skills at a pretty young age, which was like really valuable to me. Um, mm -hmm. I also learned how to have leather skin and not mm -hmm. to be afraid of rejection because if you've ever sold anything door to door, that's literally what you get day in and day it's out. It's not fun. The rejection. Not fun at all. Uh, but that, that experience helped me to learn to divorce myself from the outcome and marry myself to the process. And I think that's a skill set that every business owner needs. Like Wherever you are in your journey, whether you're just getting started or if you've been in business for a, a decade or two decades or five decades, ma marry yourself to the process of doing what needs to get done. And don't worry about the outcome. Because if you're focused too far into the future, you're going to trip. You need to be focused on this step right in front of you and then the next step thereafter, not 22 steps down the road. You can have that as a loose thought, but don't focus too heavily on it. And don't, don't get disappointed when the outcome doesn't happen because fulfillment is in the journey. It's not in the destination. Like, Don't get me wrong. It's nice to be sitting on a beach with a pina colada, but eventually it was the adventure that got you there that is really mm -hmm. fulfilling. And it's going to be the next made, adventure. Right? Exactly. It's going to be the next adventure that's going to be continuing that fulfillment in you and the next adventure after that. Um, but yeah, my journey was, was long and winding. I, I, um, I got a little sidetracked right after university, though, because even though I had this entrepreneurial spirit, I thought I wanted to become an FBI agent. Again, I, a lot of my stuff ties to things I've seen on TV. I, I watched that. Uh, it was some movie that encouraged yeah. me that, oh, wow, that this would be an amazing career path for me. So mm -hmm. I started my journey in university studying the right material to eventually, like, I was a double major in history and psychology. I got a minor in political science and a certificate in government service and administration, um, wow. all with the hopes of eventually getting into the FBI. And my journey right after university is I started working for the United States Department of Justice, so the U.S. DOJ. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned really quickly, and luckily for me, I learned really quickly that I did not like working for the government. Like I just, I wasn't built for it. I was just not mm -hmm. the right fit. I was like the square piece trying to fit into a round hole. It just, it didn't work. Um, yeah. 
and it got to a one point where I, I had made a decision that it, it wasn't working so bad that I handed in my resignation without having a plan B. I didn't have a fallback. Um, but I, I think a lot of business owners have that experience where you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're put into a circumstance where you've been doing something that just doesn't fit who you are and you have to be willing to take a pivot even though that pivot is a risk. And that's what I did. I pivoted. I, I took a risk. I said, here's my resignation. And because of the level I was in in government, they essentially issue you out right away because of security clearances and things of that nature. So I literally handed my resignation and was shown the door that day. Um, and oh, wow. I didn't have that plan B, but I had always had this interest in money. I had always had this understanding of how generally how money works. Um, mm-hmm. And I started doing um, these local library workshops where I would teach people how to budget, like how to just manage their personal finances. Um, because that's what I had been doing for myself, just trying to understand how cash flow works and how money works. And then, um, at one of these, um, uh, like local library workshops, someone approached me at the end of the, that presentation and asked me if he could buy me lunch the next day. And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> I was charging, I think, I think it was like $5, um, for people to attend this event. And it cost me like $4.95 because I had like uh, coffee and food at the back of the room. Like I, yeah. I was not making any money at all. Like yeah, I was losing yeah. money on this. Um, so I was definitely, yeah, you could buy me lunch. No problem at all. And uh, he, he basically took me out to lunch the next day and he said, have you ever given thought to financial planning and becoming a financial planner? And I said, no, I'd never given that thought. And he goes, I think you'd be a great fit. And I did my research and then I said, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give this a try. So I, I opened up my first financial planning practice back in 1998. So yes, I'm, I'm dating myself. It's been a long time. Um, but I built and grew that over the years. Um, now we're in 27 states. Um, it, it's been an amazing ride. But the first mm. beginning part of my journey, it was not amazing at all. The first, the first four years that I was in business like was horrible because – YouTube didn't exist back then. There was no, mm-hmm. there was no Google. So I, I was basically going by trial and error as to how to run a business. You see, I dove headfirst into understanding everything that has to be with regard to the markets and how investments work. I became an expert in that. But I had no clue as to how to actually run a business, like a real business, and it was essentially me learning by trial and error, and it was mostly error. I was like banging my head against the wall. I made, I think I made almost every mistake that's possible <laughs> in business. Um, I didn't make any money the first four years in business, like at all. I went into debt um, to the tune of well into six figures. Um, I don't know if your audience knows like how that feels, but it doesn't feel good. Mm. Uh, I, mm. I, I had racked up. Pretty much, I I had opened up a ton of different credit cards because again, I, I was making really bad money decisions personally and business wise. Yeah. I yeah. had at the at the worst, I had seventeen credit cards. I had like I think it was about seven different personal loans. I had somehow convinced banks to give me money, um, and then I also had those sales uh, skills. Exactly right, <laughs> um, and then I had uh, a number of different loans from family and friends. And at my low point, this was about four years in, my low point, every single one of my credit cards was past due by more than 60 days. I had my car repossessed. I had an eviction notice. And my friends stopped talking to me. 
because I owed them all money. Mm. It was horrible. And um, you see, I, I had a lot of arrogance at that point in my life because I had done really well in school without trying. Like I was just naturally good at schoolwork. Uh, I didn't have to put in a lot of effort. And that, that made me have this ego that I was better than everyone else. And I, looking back on it, I'm, I'm very, I'm saddened that that was who I was, but mm-hmm. I got through it because at my low point, I, I can remember the day that this happened. Like it was like, like it was yesterday. I, I remember I was walking through, I had this little kitchenette in this apartment I was renting that I was being evicted from. And I had this little round table that I would use as my like kitchen table. And on top of that table were all my bills, like all the past due notices. I had envelopes that I had not even opened because I knew that opening it would just be sad um, because I, I would owe like a ridiculous amount of money and I had no idea how to pay it. Um, and I remember walking past that table and my bathroom was right on the other end of the, the kitchen. You'd open up the kitchen door, uh, the bathroom door, and the the mirror would be right in front of you, and the little sink was there. And it was a teeny tiny little bathroom. Um, and I remember walking straight at the mirror and looking at myself in the mirror and saying, "Edward, what what are you doing? Like this mm. this is not working." And again, I was stubborn. This took me four years to realize that I was like not smart <laughs> when it comes to business. Mm-hmm. And in that moment. Again, everyone has a different low point in life, and and the definition of rock bottom is going to be different from anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there, are, I'm sure there are people who are consuming this content right now that have said their their rock bottom was way way worse than what I was going through. Totally get mm-hmm. that, but for mm-hmm. me, this was my rock bottom, and I can remember looking at myself in the mirror and saying that, like, "What are you doing?" and and something came over me where I was just like, "You know what? I'm going to leave my ego in the bathroom." And I'm going to leave without my ego attached. So I'm just going to leave it at the door. Mm. And then I started asking people who had achieved certain milestones of, of success in their businesses. I asked them how they did it. Like, what is it? What is it that you're doing that I'm not doing? And mm-hmm. luckily, I was able to convince a couple of those people to actually talk to me, like to, to share with me in a genuine way. And, and mm-hmm. they shared with me the things that they were doing that I clearly wasn't. And because I had left my ego at the door, I just started doing exactly what they were doing. I literally just modeled exactly what they were doing. I didn't try to put my own spin on it. I just did what they told me to do. And it's remarkable how quickly things can change when you actually know the ingredients of what it takes to make a cake, right? And not just the ingredients, you understand the instructions of how to get the cake to, to, to rise or to, to set, like, mm-hmm. you know, what temperature to put mm-hmm. the oven at. And like <laughs> when people actually who have been through what you're going through and have made it to the other side, when, they, when they've gotten to the points that you eventually aspire to be at, if you just listen yeah. to what got them there and do what they did, you'll get there too. It's like Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. He's not lying. And if, if, you can find mentors that are willing to share with you. You can absolutely shortcut your journey. I wish I found these people and I had the, the, the ability to have left my ego at the door much earlier. But that, that next year, just by making those simple changes in my life, that next year, I actually broke even for the first time in business. I didn't lose money. Like that was a remarkable thing for me. Like four years in a row, I'd lost significant money. I was down like $250,000 of debt at that point without having any money to show for it. Um, but by that 
fifth year, I had broken even. And by the sixth year, I had paid off all my debt. Mm. Like it was an amazing transformation. And it's just by making little tweaks in, into how you think and how you operate and the decision-making processes that you engage in, mm-hmm. you, can, you can have dramatically dramatic changes. And that's what happened for me. I, I was well into the six figures at that point. Um, but then I got arrogant again. And I, mm-hmm. I stayed at six figures for a really, really long time because I, I forgot that the thing that got me to change was I reached out to people who had, were at the levels I wanted to be at. And now I was at that level. So I was mm-hmm. doing all the things that got me to that level. But in order to get to the next level, I have to do different things. And I, mm-hmm. I had forgotten that lesson. And it was kind of silly because I had learned it just recently. I'm like, come on, <laughs> Edward, what are you doing? And it took me uh, a, a while longer, but I eventually started reaching out to even more mentors, people who are doing bigger and better things with their lives and their businesses, measured in ways that I value, meaning mm-hmm. I, value, I value time, I value health, I value quality of relationships. Um, I value money too, Um Money is not the most important thing in the world, but I often say it's the thing that impacts the things that are. Like mm-hmm. if you if you care about your health, money is going to make your health prospects a lot better. If you care about mm-hmm. your relationships, money is going to be able to help you enjoy relationships with people by being able to afford to do the things that you want to do with them. If you enjoy vacations, if you value vacations, money is going to help you to be able to do that. If you value free time, if you value extracurricular activities, money is the thing that makes all of those things possible. So I do value money. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an unapologetic capitalist. Mm-hmm. But um, I learned when I, when I made the major transition of my life was when I learned that it's not just what you make, it's what you keep. And that's one of the reasons why I have the catchphrase, it's net, not gross, that matters. Because in life, as business owners, we're often just trying to make more, make more, make more, make more. And I get that question a lot from business owners. How, Edward, how can I make more money? And mm-hmm. the first response I have is, well, stop losing money. Plug the profit leaks that exist within your life and in your business first. Just keep much more of what you're already working hard for. And that immediately puts you into a, a, a path for better financial future. The, 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 the path of financial freedom is paved by you keeping more of what you're making first and foremost. So plug mm-hmm. the profit leaks that exist. And that's what I started to do. And when I started to do that, that's when I, that's when I actually started really having true financial freedom because it, mm-hmm. it amounted to, to having resources available to do, do the things and acquire more assets that supported more of my lifestyle require even more assets, supported more of my lifestyle and, and supported the causes and the people and the community that I care about. Um, that was like the transitional things that happened for me. Mm. Like that, that was really the milestone that made a difference. And then over the course of the past 24 years, I, we have the financial planning practice. We looked at what else is going on in, with business owners. Cause that's the, the vast majority of the community that I serve are, are business owners um, what else is going on with them? And I was recognizing that they were having a lot of challenges with their own environment with regard to taxation, we're paying way too much to Uncle Sam here in the United States. Um, <laughs> so we developed a tax practice. The, then I, the next issue, the next challenge for business owners is they weren't able to make a lot of strategic decisions because they don't know their numbers. Like if, if you're consuming this content right now, I want you to think to yourself, like when was the last time you – really, truly looked at your numbers, like your profit and loss statement. 
And when you're looking at your profit and loss statement, when was the last time you looked at the expense component, all the different expense line items in that profit and loss statement and evaluated each one and understood whether or not is this expense something that generates revenue directly or is it at the very least supporting revenue generating activity within my business? And if you can't answer yes to one of those two aspects, then you have to ask, mm -hmm. well, is that expense something that my business actually needs? And if it doesn't need it, jettison it. Because mm -hmm. if you're wasting money within business, you're not able to deploy that money towards your business enterprise for redevelopment, reinvestment. You're not able to deploy it to your family for vacation time and and, and just mm -hmm. financial security. You can't deploy it to your community and the causes you care about. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I learned pretty hard a lesson working inside of the government. The government is not efficient. It's not effective. So if you're sending <laughs> dollars to the IRS, those dollars are not necessarily coming back to your own community dollar for dollar. Mm -hmm. I just think that you personally, whoever you are consuming this content at the moment, I think you are personally the better person to decide how your money gets utilized. So if you, if I can help put you in control of your money and help you understand that it's net, not gross that matters, what you get to keep, you get to decide on how it gets used. And I just think you're the best person to make that decision. And that's mm -hmm. what I spent my life doing. I, so we added bookkeeping services as, as a, a developing a bookkeeping company in order to help business owners understand their, their money and their numbers so they can make mm -hmm. better informed decisions. And now our, one, one of our latest enterprises is Uplevel Entrepreneur. That's the ecosystem that we've developed that essentially provides access to the type of information, not just the information of the what, but also the how that I wanted, but I had no access to when I was just getting started because there was no Google, there was no YouTube. There was the, the access to mentors was much more challenging back when I was getting started. But I wanted to create an ecosystem that gives the type of information I think that can transform people's lives to take them up to and through six and seven figures within their own business. And mm -hmm. that's, that's been my journey. Now we have a number of other businesses as well. Some that are not in financial services that are more what I refer to as diversification businesses, like things like we own salons, we own real estate, residential, commercial real estate, property management companies, things of that nature. But Uplevel Entrepreneur gets a lot of my personal attention because it's sort of my like my my baby right now. It's like the area where I get to give back. We, mm -hmm. we serve the community. We create a lot of free content that we post on Instagram, and TikTok, and YouTube. Um, and it's like I try to orient the, that content towards things that are actual, actually actionable by the person who consumes it. Like you can you can watch one of our posts and put it into practice that day and see some results. So I try to create mm. nuggets of wisdom that can actually put to work and change people's lives because mm. I get value and everyone has different value metrics. And I respect that. But for me, I get value out of impact. If I can change someone's life for the better, even if it's just a tiny bit better, that's an amazing thing. And that's one of the reasons why when I was developing the mission of Uplove Entrepreneur, I said, well, what will change lives more? And I said, well, if I can make, if I can help business owners get up to and through that seven figure mark to make them millionaires and not just, not just in a gross environment, but a net situation, net, not gross, help them keep millions of dollars so that they can mm -hmm. figure out what is the best way to deploy that. I just think that that has the major, that has major impact. 
Because now if, if I create a thousand multimillionaires, those individuals can go out and create multiple jobs for, for the community. They can give back to their community in ways because they, they have the financial freedom to be able to do that. They can elevate the lives of their own family, uh, ensure that their children are going to be healthier because they have access to better medication, better medicine, better better uh, lifestyle choices. They can they can consume healthier food because they can afford it. I mean, all of the things that that a lot of people say money money doesn't matter, greed is bad. I just I totally disagree. I'm an unapologetic capitalist because I think that if you look at all the systems that existed have existed on the planet when it comes to how economies work, I just think capitalism mm -hmm. is the one that has worked the best. It may not be the best that's possible, but I of the ones that exist, I think it, it has worked the best at creating and elevating more people to a sense of freedom and when I'm speaking about freedom, I'm always looking at financial freedom being the most important mm -hmm. freedom because financial freedom leads to all other freedoms. It leads mm -hmm. to freedom of education. It leads to freedom of lifestyle. It leads to freedom of, of health. Uh, again, you're not, you're not guaranteed tomorrow, but money helps today and tomorrow be at least a little bit brighter. Mm -hmm. right. Wow. That's just my, my, 50 cents, maybe, maybe $2 worth of <laughs> it's, uh, it's worth multi-million dollar. It's, it's multi-million dollar advice, Edward, honestly. And everything you said I'm resonating with, and there's so many things to unpack. And I, I want to thank you for sharing your story of, you know, going in $200,000 in debt and 17 credit cards, I think you said. It's yeah. just, it, I, I love hearing these stories because as you said, the best way to shortcut your journey to success is learning from people who have already made it happen. And that mm -hmm. is why this podcast exists, is to help other people make it happen, help them on their making happen journey. They are stuck. They don't know. It's a lonely, lonely journey. And mm -hmm. we need to come together and bring together and help each other out so that, like you said, we can all make an impact in this world. And I love that, that you're looking at it as I'm not going to just make them rich. It's not about making them rich. It's about making them create a business to hire and impact their exactly. communities of where they live. Right. 100%. And you kind of answered my next question, the why, why you're doing this. And that's how you overcome all these challenges. Correct. Hearing the passion and the experience that you're talking about is from that why. So I love the story, and I want to dive deep into some of the lessons Please. you learned over this 24, 25 years. So let's. this is the first person I'd like to speak to, and then we'll talk about the second person. Making sure. your first six figures. Sure. What would be some key advice, key lessons you learned? Like you said, you were 200 in the hole, and mm -hmm. then uh, given four to six years, I think you said you got out of that. That's amazing. So yeah. what did you learn in, during that time and what advice could you give to those entrepreneurs? And then next we'll move over to the seven plus, um, sure. how to get there. But why don't you kick us off with the, so the first I, I'm going to share something that I'm, I'm pretty confident that the vast majority of people who can consume this, they're going to, they're going to poo poo it and they're going to shoo it to the side because they're going to think, well, that's way too simple, but I'm going <laughs> to tell you the truth. Okay. It's the simple things that actually matter. Small hinges swing very, very big doors. And if you do the simple things consistently, you will get outcome that you desire. I'm, I'm, again, 
I can create a complicated methodology by it, but it really is not complicated. It's simple. And the thing, the lesson that I learned, the nugget that changed my perspective of being a, a, a six-figure in-debt environment, uh, having my car repossessed, getting evicted from the, my apartment, not having friends and family because I couldn't pay them back from the loans that they had given me. Um, the thing that changed it was the lesson I learned that I, I keep to today. And it's just changing my definition of certain terms. Like, and it's specifically the terms assets and liabilities. Now, I, I have a financial background. I, one of the things I didn't mention in my journey is I also went to law school um, because, again, it was a bucket list item that I wanted to achieve. So I, I became a lawyer. Um, I chose never to practice law, but I had always wanted to get my law degree because it was something that I had aspired to from when I was a teenager. Um, so I did that later in life because I could. I had the financial freedom and flexibility to be able to do that, supported my family to do it. Um, so I went and did it. I got my law degree. But I, I, in that environment, I sit down and, and during law school. I sat down with other aspiring attorneys. Um, in my professional career, I sit down with tax lawyers all the time. I sit down with accountants all the time. And I'm going to tell you that their definition of assets and liabilities is going to be completely different from what I'm about to tell you. But even though mine is different and extremely simple, it changed my life. My definition of an asset that was taught to me by my mentor was an asset is anything you control, not necessarily own, anything you control that generates cash flow for you. If it doesn't, if it doesn't generate cash flow for you, it's automatically not considered an asset under my definition. Mm-hmm. A liability is anything that takes money from you. So what I had, the mistake I was constantly making in those first four years of my life as a business owner was that I was spending my money on liabilities. Everything I was buying Mm. was a liability. Everything I bought was taking more money from me. Not only did it take the money out to get it, to acquire it, but it cost money to support. The car I bought, which I definitely should not have had, it it was like way outside of my means. So that was not an asset. It was definitely a liability. It cost me money every single month, money that I didn't have. That's why they eventually took it away from me. Um, the, the apartment I was in was way outside of my means. I couldn't afford that. Even though it was meager at the time, I still should not have been in that apartment. I should have figured out how I could have been in something way less expensive or shared it with many, many roommates if I needed to just to figure yeah. out. Because, again, when you shift your mindset from, from every decision you make with regard to the expenditure of money, asking the question, is this an asset or is this a liability? And if it's a liability, then you have to ask yourself another question. Is this a liability I need now or is it something I can delay into the future? And if it's a need, well, I need uh, you need to determine whether or not that word need is correct because we often say we need things. I mean, everyone says I need this, I need that. <laughs> the reality is it's, it's not need, it's want. And if you can if you can get rid of that that word that superfluous word need, and and replace it with want when it's appropriate. Like I want this, I want this car, I want this house, I want this new wardrobe, I want these these sneakers, whatever it may be. If you understand that it's a want, not a need, well then you can determine is that something that want that I can withstand the pressure, the financial uh, pressure, or do, can I delay that? And I started mm-hmm. making that shift. I started looking at every single. Every single dollar that came out of my bank account 
was that to acquire an asset or was it to acquire a liability? And I've, I realized like right off the bat, like everything I was doing was liabilities. And mm. when I made that shift, I started saying, okay, well, how can I not do that? And again, my mentor was teaching me that if you want a liability, again, the right word is want, if you want a liability, well, then you need to determine what asset you need in order to support that liability. Because remember, the definition of an asset is it's something you control that generates cash flow. If it's generated cash flow, that cash flow can be utilized to, to support a liability acquisition. So I can remember um, one of the decisions I made. This was after my car was, my original car was repossessed. I didn't have a car at that point in time and I needed a car for work. So I ended up figuring out a deal with someone to, to buy this. It was really a really, really used, really used vehicle. <laughs> um, and I I'd wanted something a little better because again, I was trying to build a financial planning practice. It didn't really look mm -hmm. good to, to be driving what I was driving. It was really, really bad. Like, it was mm -hmm. bad. Um, I wanted something that looked at least a little better so that I can at least show the part. But the mm -hmm. cost, I, I can remember, I think the, the cost was something like $212 a month or something like that. Even mm -hmm. though the, the car I wanted was a used car, it was still going to cost me like $212. And the lesson I learned from from this mentor was, if I wanted something that's going to cost $212, that's not an, a, not an asset, it's a liability, meaning it's going to continue to cost me money every month thereafter, whether it's monthly payments, monthly support, putting gas in it, uh, insuring it, et cetera, maintenance and upkeep, oil changes, et cetera. Well, then I first need to figure out, well, what asset can I acquire that will generate the cash flow needed for that liability? And I can remember the very first thing I did that transformed my life was I went out and I figured out how to buy a piece of real estate and use the cash flow from that real estate to support what my want was on the liability side. And it was a little two-bedroom Cape Cod in East Hanover, New Jersey. I can remember it. <laughs> I had purchased it. Um, and I essentially, I was netting, I think, something like $240 a month. After like mm. all the expenses, the carrying costs, the mortgage payment, the yeah. insurance, the vacancy, I, I had made a, an allotment for vacancies, um, and I netted about two hundred forty dollars a month. And the cost of this car was two hundred twelve dollars. So then I'm like, okay, now I can get the car because now I had the asset that was paying for the car. I wasn't paying for the car, and that that flip that little change in understanding definitions, or at least adopting definitions, and then applying them. Because that's the key point. You can't just think about it. You actually have to do because action is what leads to outcome. Planning doesn't lead to outcome. Planning's nice. It's important, but it doesn't lead to outcome. You can sit around and plan all day long your next vacation, but until you actually book it, nothing's happened. <laughs> You're still just sitting around every day. So that's what I did. I put it into practice. I yeah. put those definitions that most accountants would disagree with because, again, it doesn't meet the AAICPA's uh, definition of what an asset and a liability are. But my simplistic definition, mm -hmm. again, very, very simple, changed my mm -hmm. life. That literally mm -hmm. got me from from wasting money because like, I was wasting money like like ridiculousness, which is why I was in such a bad financial shape at that point in my life. It changed me literally within a two-year time frame from going from – being completely inept when it came came to managing my own money to getting out of debt and putting myself on track towards financial freedom. Now, I wasn't financially free at that point. 
I mean, six figures, again, is nothing to shake a stick at. There are a lot of people who would be like, oh my goodness, I couldn't, I would love to hit that six figure mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. I think when you when you hit that six figure mark, again, a lot of people would love to be rich, right? If if you're consuming this, like think, like raise your hand if you want to be rich. No matter who's like who cares what where you are. You're in the middle of a crowded bus watching this. Doesn't matter. Raise your hand. Be be the the outcast for a moment because I know a lot of people would aspire to be rich, and I don't want you to be rich. I know that sounds harsh, but I don't want you to be rich. I want you to be wealthy mm-hmm. because there's a difference. Being rich, and that's where I had had uh, basically gotten to at that point in my career. I had become rich. I had I had excess income beyond my daily needs and wants. That's how I define rich. Rich is a state of being in excess income beyond your daily needs and wants. The challenge with being rich is it's not and is never permanent, because that excess income is dependent upon you to generate the cash flow that's beyond your daily needs and wants. And if something happens to you, whether it's something that has to do with your health, whether it has to do with you just going away on vacation for two months, I mean, the cash flow stops because it's dependent upon you to generate it. And what I'd rather be is rather be wealthy. And that was the lesson I learned later in life as to how to actually become wealthy because being wealthy is the same state of excess income beyond your daily needs and wants. But it's no longer dependent upon you. You're not the one generating it. It's the assets that you've accumulated over your lifetime, whether they be businesses, whether it be real estate, whether it be traditional portfolio assets, whatever they may be, those assets generate cash flow beyond your daily needs and wants. So therefore, it's no longer dependent upon you, and you mm-hmm. can go out and live life and, and enjoy the financial freedom that wealth provides. Being rich mm-hmm. is not being financially free. Being wealthy is being financially free. And that's that's a lesson I learned later on. And that th- there are a couple key components to that lesson. But ultimately, that's what has gotten me to where I am now, where we, we own uh, eight different businesses. All of them we've built and scaled up to and through six and seven figures apiece. Um, we own a, a bunch of different uh, pieces of real estate. We own a lot of different portfolio assets, both on the traditional side and the non-traditional side, alternative assets. But I've learned that the the journey of financial freedom is one that is, it's a balance sheet issue. Like what are, mm-hmm. what are the things that fall into your, your assets uh, side of the spectrum that you control that generate the cash flow for you so that you can live the life you truly want? And the formula for that, essentially anyone could do this. Now again, I'm not saying it's and I'm not saying it's easy. It is simple. It's never not necessarily easy mm-hmm. because it, it it takes work. You see, there there's a I am I'm, I'm struggling. I think it was I think it was Warren Buffett that said this, and I could be wrong. Maybe it was someone else, but he said that opportunities. Most people avoid opportunities because they come it they often come dressed in overhauls overalls mm. and they look like work. Like yeah. opportunity takes work. Like it, it's not just something that you can look, oh, that's a great opportunity. No, you ha- usually have to do something. You have to act upon the opportunity. And most people don't. But what I'm saying is if you do put in the work, put in the effort in a smart way, in an, an intelligent way, in a way where you've learned through others who've already been through it, finding the mm-hmm. right mentors, like filing, finding people like you. You have this podcast that you've created this, this ecosystem in which you're serving your community. You're an amazing mentor. 
if individuals just tap into that more and say, okay, I'm going to do what they're saying to do, you can transform your life. But you have to have the mindset that it's a possibility. And the easiest way to understand that it is a possibility is just to look at the people that are doing it. Like, like imagine, like even for yourself, like for a moment, like I'm sure mm -hmm. you have people in your own history that you've been exposed to during your lifetime. And you wonder like that guy or that girl, like there's no way they've been able to cheat. Like, like I'm so much better than that person. <laughs> like I, I know so much more. And you're like, well, yeah. wait a minute. If they can do it, yeah. I definitely can do it. Yeah. So uh, there was an example. I'm going to give you an example. I heard just this morning. Okay. Just this morning. Um, there, there was a, a, a TikToker. He, he's an amazing guy. He talks about tax strategy a lot too. And I, I love him. He's a, he's a, he's an amazing man, but he did this, he was do, on TikTok this morning and he was showing this woman who, um, and he showed the picture of it. There's a big potato in the middle of like Idaho, like a huge potato, um, like the actual vegetable, the root vegetable underground potato, huge. It's big. It's like a big, huge house. And she's like, she's basically designed this Airbnb that looks like a potato in the middle of like this, this like farmland in Idaho. And she rents oh it God. out. Yeah. I'm not even joking. And he shows the numbers and she, he, um, he's showing, uh, she shows how many times it's been rented. So if you go into Airbnb, you can see the number of times a particular place has been rented over the previous year. You can see it. It shows the numbers and it shows the average daily rental rate. And if you just took – and this, this TikToker this morning took the calculation and um, it worked out to – based on the, the average stay, which I think it was $207, and based on the number of times it was rented during the thing, it was like $118,000 worth of revenue. <laughs> like it was – like it, and you think about it and like, wait a minute. If this woman – because again, he, he showed the picture of this lady that I, – I think – I'm not sure if he knew her or not, but again, it's, it's still an amazing story. If this person could do that with a potato, what's your excuse? <laughs> like, really, what's your excuse? Like, it, yeah. you're only limited yeah. by the limiting beliefs you have. So just yeah. stop having them. The, the, yeah. the, the thing that changed my life for the most is an understanding that there is an abundance of wealth that exists. Because money follows value creation, and there's no limit to the amount of value that can be created. So if you go out and you create value for someone else, whether it's a potato because someone wants to have a unique experience wherever they're staying, uh, or if you are developing a business that streamlines uh, someone's uh, home construction project, I mean, there's there's limitless amounts of value that anyone, any member of your community particularly can take advantage of. Mm -hmm. And just recognize that all it does, all, all the secret sauce of an entrepreneur is you are just a professional problem solver. You should love problems. You should be able to say, okay, that's a problem that exists. I can solve that. Let me come up with a business solution that does that. So if you've not gotten into business yet and you're consuming this content and you're, you're like, I want to be an entrepreneur, well, the fastest path to, the, to that entrepreneurial journey is to say, recognize what problems exist and figure out how can you offer a solution to that. I mean, I, I have a, a, a next-door neighbor, um, his, his, I think, I think he's 16. His son is 16. And he recognized that there was a problem in the neighborhood with regard to projects not getting done, like like little handyman projects. So he's he's now solving that problem. He's offered himself up as a handyman for the local community. 
and he does little That's odd awesome. jobs around. Like, yeah, and the kid's making some money. Now, granted, is he making a million dollars a year? Probably not. But you know what? If he, he went out and he elicited the help of, I don't know, 500 other students around the world, because this is something – this could become a business – that's not just mm-hmm. local to him. If he figures out how to deliver that value to the community efficiently and effectively, develops a system, he can then deploy others in that same system. He can start to expand. It doesn't have to be something that's local. Again, the limits are always self-imposed. So just stop mm-hmm. imposing them. Just recognize that you can take your life in any direction you wish, but if you do nothing, you get nothing. Mm-hmm. That's critical. So true. I mean – you said so perfectly. Like, sorry, it, I, I, I go on no, these tangents. Don't be sorry. No, no it's, this is great, and and I and I'm hundred percent in agreement because in, in my entrepreneurial journey, and I don't have as much experience as you yet, and I, I, I know that the all entrepreneurs I've interviewed on this podcast and that I've watched on YouTube and seen interviews, they all have the same mindset that you do, that there is no ceiling. That there's no sky, there's no limit to what they can accomplish. And the Mm -hmm. only limit is what we do in ourselves. And there's, I can't quote the science, but there is proven science that if you believe something, your Mm -hmm. body will ooze out that thing. If you believe you're sick, you can make yourself sick. If you believe Mm -hmm. you're successful, you will make yourself successful. And Mm -hmm. it's our own perception of our reality that's boxing, uh, boxing us in into, oh, oh yeah. well, I can't make 100K. Like, no, I, I can't. I can't do it. And, I, and, and it's that you saying that, which then makes the actions and your habits create, then you don't create that thing because you don't, you thinking it, then you don't act on it. And then you have bad habits and you're not accomplishing it. Right. So everything Absolutely. you're saying around money, it, it, it dictates around just around the thought process and mm-hmm. who you surround yourself with. And then what you do. And I love what you said earlier is that 80, you didn't say this, but just from hearing your story, I think 80 to 90% of what you do is the action and 10 Mm -hmm. to 20% is the thinking and the research. It's not that it's not a hundred to hundred. It's, it is, you have to act. You have to do something as the only way to get results. But Mm -hmm. if you don't prioritize and plan, then if you fail a plan, you plan to fail. Right. So it, it, you have to do those things. And I love everything you're saying. And I wish I can dive in deeper into this topic, but we are coming to an end of this episode and maybe we have yeah. to have a, a part two to this, but I'd love it. why don't you I'd leave us it. with a, thank you. Why don't you leave us with a little last minute remark, um, a summary of this episode, something you want to say to someone who's listening to this and, you know, getting all this information like, Oh my God, where do I now? Where do I start? Where do I go? How do I do this? And then end us off with how we can help you and, and reach out to you and follow you. Well, I think, I think the most important lesson for anyone to take from anything that I ever share is that it's really the community that you surround yourself with that matters most. And whether that's a community of mentors, whether that's a community of individuals who are just driving each other forward. Um, my mother used to tell me, um, God rest her soul, before she died, that the the easiest way to get sick is to hang around with other sick people. And it's true. Um, there's there's a number of people who constantly promote this, this phrase that you're the average of the five people you hang around most. Um, and 
That's true in all aspects of the word average, whether you're talking about monetarily average, whether you're talking about mindset average, whether you're talking about just lifestyle. Um, it, it's amazing how your local community will impact who you become. But the more amazing thing is that's choice, which means you can change change your mind. You can, you can make a different decision. You can choose to surround yourself with different people. You can choose to find mentors who have been where you want to be and have now gotten beyond it. And then you can just learn the lessons that they, they are willing to share with you. You can, you can tune into podcasts like this. You can, you can join courses. You can get into rooms of masterminds. All of that is choice. But here's the reality is that, unfortunately, the vast majority of the people consuming this won't do it. They just won't. Mm -hmm. And that's a shame. But I don't feel bad for them because I don't feel bad for people making choices. It's, it's completely your on you. It's 100%. Because I believe in personal freedom. If, if it's not important enough for you to do it for yourself, then it's not for me to tell you you're wrong. That's, that's your decision. I hope mm -hmm. you make a, a decision that moves you into a better direction because I think that you going to, into a better direction helps the entirety of society, which I'm part of. But it's not for me to dictate what your tomorrow is. I'd love to help you get to a better tomorrow, but it's not for me to dictate. You have to be willing to pick up the, the, the laces, if you will, on your shoes and tie them so that you can run without tripping. You have to be willing to do the work. And, and oftentimes, though, it's the little things. I, I shared with you it's the simplest things in my life that I've changed that have made the most difference. And that's the truth. Like You can make little changes, but it's, it starts with mindset. But again, the most critical thing is doing. Go out. If, you, if you're going to make a decision to surround yourself with better people, well, then you have to go out and surround yourself with better people. You have to find mm -hmm. access to those communities. You have to, to tap into to podcasts like this and, and reach out to you as the host. Like Your listeners should be reaching out to you saying, hey, how can I, how can I do better? What, what should I be doing next? You are creating an, an ecosystem that gives them access to entrepreneurs of all different walks of life, all different shades of gray, if you will, um, that your audience ship can learn from vicariously. That's ultimately the best advice. Learn vicariously so you don't have to be the one banging your head against the wall. You can learn from other people's <laughs> struggle, right? Um, you speak you don't my have, language. Exactly. So <laughs> learn from other people's struggles so that you don't have to go through that same struggle. Don't get me wrong. Some struggle is important. Struggle is an, an, an important mm -hmm. component to learning. I mean, after all, a baby learns to crawl when its toys are just out of reach. So the struggle is important. But you don't have to go through all of the struggle all on your own. Like you can learn vicariously from others. I mean, you don't mm -hmm. need – you don't necessarily need to be the one who who slams your, your hand in a car door to learn that that hurts. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right, or get two hundred grand in debt to exactly. know that that's not good. That's not good. Exactly. But what you yeah. can do is you can learn from the other person how they got out of it, and then just duplicate that. Just do the same thing because, again, Tony Robbins says it beautifully: success leaves clues. The people who have done it have done it by doing certain things, and if you just copy that, you just mimic what's being done. In your own life and in your own way, meaning what's appropriate for your circumstance, you can get a similar result. Mm -hmm. But you have to make a decision. Is the result important enough for me to make change? Because change is very uncomfortable. Like think about it. Like the reality – like 
if you're consuming this content right now, honestly, because I want to I want to give you something to to have an action step because it's important to take action. Think right now before this episode even finishes. Grab a piece of paper, whatever it is. Write down your five closest friends, the people you hang out with the most. And now I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you to do something that's probably gonna be uncomfortable. Some will do it, some won't do it. I'm gonna share it with you anyway. I want you to write whether or not that person pulls you up in life or drags you down in life. Because and my definition of dragging down is even holding consistent. Because if the status quo is is it, stagnation is decay. There's no because mm-hmm. you're not ever in a state of, of 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 equilibrium. You're you're either in a state of decay or a state of growth. So if the person is not lifting you up, not pulling you up, not advancing you in life, well then the question is: Is that person again? I'm not trying to tell you to end friendships, but what I'm mm-hmm. trying to tell you is that person someone you actually want to be spending the majority of your time with. And if not, and if you look at the five friends and none of them are helping you advance your life or, or motivating you to pull forward or pull, pull up, well, then you have to find people who would. That's on you, though. You have to go out and do it. Put yourself into to environments that are uncomfortable by exposing yourself to people who you don't ne- necessarily know right now. And, and this is coming from someone who is naturally an introvert. Like, I'm naturally an introvert. I, if I had my own druthers, I'd sit down and just – do my own thing without dealing with other people. But I recognize that dealing with people is important. So I push myself to be an extroverted introvert. And I recognize that I can't do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I do have my downtime. I need my alone time where I can decompress. But I'm going to push you to go out, find the people that that you're currently surrounding yourself with, evaluate whether or not they advance you in life. Uh, And if they're not in an advancement, it's definitely a pull down. There's no such thing as status quo. And um, make a change. Make a change for the better. Make a change for the people who will actually help you get to where you want to be. Um, because those friendships are the ones that are very, very fulfilling. doesn't mean you can't have friends that aren't in at the same level. It doesn't have to be someone who is necessarily wealthier than you or financially more fit than you. But it should be people who drive you. Who motivate you? It shouldn't be people who are constantly complaining, constantly because that's that's being around someone who's sick. Like mm-hmm. you want to you want to live life that way. I mean, if you do, it's your freedom. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, I, I I'm an unapologetic capitalist. I'm a, a fiscal conservative. I'm socially liberal. You can do whatever you want in your own life, as long as it doesn't mm-hmm. impact me, my family in a negative way, and as long as you're not hurting someone else without their fully informed consent and. Finally, the government doesn't make me pay for whatever you want to do. Go ahead. If all those three qualities and criteria are met, go live your life. Um, I just want to – I share genuinely from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know I don't know if anyone on your podcast has done any research into me or Googled me or anything like that. But I, I'm the world's foremost expert on my opinion. So <laughs> I share my opinion pretty freely. These are just – everything I've shared is my opinion. Um, yeah. It is it is something that has worked for me. I don't know if it'll mm-hmm. work for you, but it, it's worked for me, so I share it. Mm-hmm. It's worked for the people that I've I've shared it with in the past. It's had a majorly positive impact on them and their lives, and the families' lives, and their communities' lives. Um, but I don't know if it's going to work for you. What mm-hmm. I do know is that it's worked for me, and I wish you well, and I I share it freely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. 
Uh, I know I'm really grateful for all the advice that you shared today. Um, I'm going to go back and write a ton of notes on this exact thing that you talked about. And it, again, it comes down to perspective, right? It just comes down to what you, what are you thinking, who you're surrounding yourself with and what limiting beliefs you have. So again, Edward, thank you so much for coming on the making it happen podcast. If you want to follow Edward, we'll put his links to all the social media and his website in the show notes. So go follow him. I know I already have, and I'm going to go back and if I could double follow, I would, but thank you again, my man. Wonderful to meet you and wonderful. It's been a true pleasure. A true pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. And I, I just, again, I want to laud you because you are doing something that matters. You're, you're creating a community that helps so many other people. You, you deserve all the praise. So thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait to see this episode come, but I really can't wait to watch the next episode because I've been consuming your content now. So this is amazing. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys. Take care. Well. Go out and Bye make it now. happen. <laughs>